The Jim Davis Show. Call or text the team line at 970-242-1340. On Colorado's sports leader, the team. o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Cake from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine, something you want to complain about today, send it to us. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. Last night, Nicole Jokic called the official a um, MFR when he didn't get a foul call last night. Got ejected for that. I, I just think you can't you can't call an official that. You, no. just, you, just, you just can't do that. Now, the other part of it where he's like, call a bleep and foul. Okay, I'm all right with that. That's okay. And, I, and again, it was Serbian night last night for the Bulls game. Fans were there to see Nikola Jokic. Obviously very disappointed when he got tossed in the first half, second time in the last, what, 24 games? Something, something like that. That he's been ejected. Uh, also the game of Detroit as well, which I have to go back and look if that was actually Serbian night for the Pistons game as well. I think it might have been. But anyway, gets tossed last night. People weren't happy about it. But when you when you call an official that, what's that official supposed to do? Be, be okay with that? No, they're not going to be okay with that. And just because it's Nikola Jokic, and we love we love the Joker. Right. He is our guy. He's our boy. He's the greatest nugget of all time. I'm just going to call it now. Greatest nugget of all time. You can't say that. And if LeBron said the same thing, he should have been ejected as well. And if that, if that happens, if there's some point where LeBron or somebody makes a comment like that or a Kevin Durant at an official and they get away with it and you hear about it, then then we've got a problem. Then we've got a double standard. I don't think we have a double standard at the moment because I've not heard of anybody else calling an official that and not getting tossed or just, like I said before, is there, do they have a relationship that allows that? Hey, I, I know, I know this official. Well, Hey, Bleepity bleeper, why don't you call bleep and foul? And they have that relationship and that official's okay with that because he knows the context, then okay, fine, so be it. But that's that's not the case here. And probably even in that case, we have when we're on the court, we're professionals. Right. Well, we call each other off the floor something else. Once again, that is not what this relationship is. At least to, to our knowledge, anyway, with uh, Musa Dogger and Nikola Jokic. All right, so you got some thoughts on that today. Text or call us, Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. It's time to talk CSU Rams basketball with Brian Roth. One second, sorry, my button wasn't working. And three, two, one, here we go. go. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, it's Brian Roth. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good morning, Jim. Pull it together over there. Let's go. I, it's not me, man. It's the computer. <laughs> Come on. 
Look, I've been a little bit more out of the varsity letterman. I was like, I was off the last two days, so I am whole. I'm not responsible for this. I've I've been on vacation the last two days. I'm not responsible for the lack of execution on the part of my colleague here. Actually, I'll I'll defend him on this. Our automation system sometimes it works with the speed of a dial-up. You hit a button, Brian, and it sits there and goes. Okay, I'm going to play this. It has to think, want to it's, it's want to. It's, it's like it's like getting your kids out of bed to go to school. You got to find a way to motivate them, and sometimes it finally gets around to, to playing the thing you wanted to play. So I'm going to defend cake on this just a little bit. <laughs> I like it. No, listen, I've been in radio long enough where I I, I get it. Man. You you understand uh, what the, the the trials and tribulations that we go through. So I appreciate yes, that, Brian. But but. General rule of thumb is it's always the equipment's fault, though. Always. That's always. It's never human error involved with any of that stuff, too, though. Even even if, the, but there's the old saying, though, a good craftsman never blames his tools, though. I've always heard that. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I prefer to go with you, though. Yeah, let's, bl- let's blame the tools and not blame us. I like that. I think that works a whole lot better. Uh, boy, I, just, I like to go through life like that. <laughs> it's always somebody else's fault. It's not mine. It's the, it's the, it's the, the, the car didn't want to start or, or whatever. My computer froze up or whatever the case may be. Uh, St. Mary's beating uh, Colorado State 64-61 over at uh, Moby Arena uh, on Saturday. Uh, obviously, it was gonna, they were not going to uh, you know, win every single basketball game. But, uh, but for Colorado State, uh, certainly a, a disappointing loss uh, to St. Mary's this last weekend. Well, let me start by saying that was not my fault either. All right, it was not your we fault. Had a no, it was great not. Great broadcast. We did our part. Sensational so, job. I want to get that out of the way? Uh, no, it all serious. <laughs> uh, and listen, I didn't think the CSU was going to go undefeated this year, right? I don't think any Ram fan thought they would go undefeated. Now, maybe you didn't think they they would lose to St. Mary's on Saturday, but it was going to happen at some point. And unfortunately, it happened to Colorado State on Saturday, but you know, we, we, we talked about it on the program with you last week that, you know, St. Mary's, despite the fact that they came into Moby arena on Saturday, four and five, and all of a sudden they had slipped in a lot of the metrics, uh, that it was still going to be a very tough game because again, this is the St. Mary's team that, um, won 27 games last year, went to the second round of the NCAA tournament, brought back three starters and a lot of pieces from a season ago. Ranked in the top 25 to start the season in the preseason polls, right? Picked to win the West Coast Conference over Gonzaga. Okay, <laughs> they had a lot of, they had one of the best coaches in, in college basketball and Randy Bennett. And despite the fact that they were 4-5, and five, you knew that they were going to come in and, and probably put out their best effort. And talking to some of the St. Mary's folks uh, before the game tipped off, said, look, <laughs> looking at this is a chance to get right. A chance to save our season. That was the mindset of St. Mary's coming to that game. If you can beat CSU, it's going to be a quad one win. It's going to pop you up in the in, in all the metrics, and it gives you a chance to now march towards the West Coast Conference play and 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 maybe even get back in the MCA uh, tournament talk, right? And they came out and played like it. I mean, this is a St. Mary's team. I think if you you ask them. They tell you it was one of their best games of the season, and and, and quite frankly, Colorado State didn't didn't play one of their best games of the season. Now, credit St. Mary's; they're an elite defensive team. St. Mary's made enough shots to to, to get the win, but look, all is fine in Ramland. You're nine and one; you're still in the top twenty-five, and and certainly at the start of the season, if if you told anybody out there with a sane brain 
that CSU would be nine and one and in the top 25 as we sit here on December the 13th. Uh, every single Ram fan would say, "Sign me up!" Absolutely, like like the Broncos being one game out of first place in the AFC West. Psst, sign me up for that. Same with CSU yes. only having one loss in men's basketball season uh, during the season. You're right at this point in time. Sign us up for that as well. And Augustus uh, Marcellonis, whose dad uh, uh, was, of course, a former NBA player. He was a guy that did probably the most damage, 18 points uh, in that game for St. Mary's at the Gales and get the 64-61 victory. Yeah, and he's a, he's a really good player. And again, Sharunas is his, uh, is his dad, longtime NBA guy, and just a, a big physical guard and, and a really good defensive player. Not a great shooter, but he shot the ball well in the game against Colorado State. And and again, that's a that's the St. Mary's team that, that I thought played very, very well. But but Marcellonis was great. And then, you know, Colorado State's down by nine with about seven minutes to go. Rams going 11-2 run. All of a sudden, it's a tie game. Rams eventually take the lead with under two minutes to go and really felt that CSU was going to be in, in good shape. But with 52 seconds to go, two seconds on the shot clock, you know, St. Mary's up by one, throwing it in from the baseline. Uh, Colorado State covered all the key guys on it. And they, they left a guy named Joshua Jefferson open for three. The guy came into the game two for 26 from deep. That's 7%. You want somebody shooting the ball late in the shot clock from three, it's that guy. But again, credit him. He knocked down a three. All of a sudden, it was a four-point game. Rams uh, had to play catch-up in the final 50 seconds. Had two good looks at three, Jim, to tie that game up and send it to overtime. The first one from Isaiah Stevens. Missed it. Rams got an offensive rebound. Neat Clifford, who's been an excellent three-point shooter all season long, got a great look from straight away at the top of the key, and it just didn't fall. And that's basketball, right? I mean, a 7% three-point shooter for one team knocks down a three in a massive point of the game. And then two of the best three-point shooters, you know, numbers-wise, in the Mountain West Conference get good looks at threes, and neither one of those goes down. So... It's the game of basketball. Sometimes shots fall. Sometimes they don't, and, and they didn't fall in the final seconds for CSU. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, with us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. And mm-hmm. I think one thing you look at where, you know, Isaiah Stevens, again, you know, played great, 20 points. Patrick Cartier had 16. Nick Clifford, as you referenced, he had 15 points. Joel Scott, though, 27 minutes, only two points. That hurts when Joel Scott doesn't produce more offensively than that. Well, and he's been he's been so good this year too, Jim. That it was it was kind of shocking that that Joel Scott didn't make a bucket from the field. You know, he came in as the second leading scorer for Colorado State. Uh, you know, had fourteen and a half points per game, and he's just been so good this season for CSU. But to go twenty six minutes, go over four from the floor, uh, only pulled down the five rebounds. It was it was just um, it was it was an off night. I mean, it was an off night for Colorado State in general, really. Uh, and again, you, you have to credit St. Mary's for that. But to, but to go back to Isaiah Stevens, you know, Isaiah closes out the game with, with 20 points, but you know, needed 16 shots to do it. Um, and you look at his numbers, he had three assists and six turnovers. And they they threw everything at him. Right? They threw the kitchen sink at Isaiah Stevens on Saturday and were hounding him the entire way. Just they sped him up a little bit. And it's interesting, my color analyst Adam Igon was talking about that. He goes, look, I can't tell you the last time I've seen a team – kind of speed Isaiah Stevens up a little bit just to where he's just out of his comfort zone. And we saw Isaiah try to make a lot of plays in that game where 
sometimes you'd leave a speed and, and all of a sudden get caught. And you just never see Isaiah Stevens get caught leaving his feet. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen. And it, and it happened two or three times and he turned it over six times in the contest. So that's a CSU team that did, didn't bring their A game and getting credit to St. Mary's for that, but they didn't bring their A game. And so yet had, had a couple of shots at the, at the buzzers in the, in the overtime. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, joining us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Sunday, you pick your first, uh, uh, I guess, a real, real step into the to RMAC play, Division II RMAC. Of course, Colorado Mesa here locally, part of it with uh, CSU Pueblo. They come in 6-4 and four right now uh, you know, on the season, Brian, and it's a, a CSU uh, Pueblo basketball team that uh, has had a good start from uh, from Brevin Walter. He's averaging about uh, 19 points per game for the Thunderwolves, the the down south brethren of the CSU Rams. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's, uh, it's a, a good time for Colorado State to kind of rest up, right? Uh, they they had just such a gauntlet, you know. When you talk about the, the the two games out in in Kansas City with ACC team, Big East team, back to back Pac-12 teams, then you get St. Mary's coming in Saturday. Rams need a break. They're beat up. We know that, so they get an eight day break before CSU Pueblo comes in. And and you know, look, I mean. Uh, it's a game you probably don't have to play Isaiah Stevens 35 minutes <laughs> to pull out a pull out a win. So you can you can start getting some other guys playing time that maybe haven't seen the floor too much so far here this season, and and probably gonna walk out of that with a win. Uh, then you go to Loyola Marymount, which will be a tough game in LA a week from Friday, and then, and then home against Adam State. So uh, a chance to kind of get right, uh, get healthier, get rested up over the course of the next two weeks before you. Get into the Mountain West Conference play. I mean, you know, we've talked about it. The Mountain West Conference is really, really good in basketball yet again here this season. And most assuredly, it's going to be a, a, a multi-bid league. And, you know, probably talking three, possibly even four teams. Brian Roth, voice of the CSU Rams, joining us today. And uh, Brian, will switch it over to football for a moment. Uh, Dallin Holker for CSU. Uh, an AP All-America selection. So uh, congratulations to, to Dallin Halker on, on that award. Yeah, and he's, I mean, just racking up the awards. I mean, he's, uh, I think, now five All-American teams uh, for Dallin Holker. And again, he finished as a runner-up in the Mackey Award last week uh, as the nation's best tight end. Uh, the Georgia tight end, Brock Bowers, ended up winning that. But I mean, it gives you an idea of the type of season that, that he had 64 catches, over 750 yards, six touchdowns, but tied the uh, single-season receiving record um, for a Colorado State tight end. Uh, and then the big news, Jim, I don't know if you guys saw this, the big news on Monday, uh, Dallin Volker announced that uh, he's going to declare for the NFL draft. And so I think that kind of shocked us a little bit. I thought he was going to come back for another year, but, you know, you, you knew he had a chance to be a draftable kid. And apparently, you know, he, he, I mean, he's a smart guy. And obviously the folks that he's been talking to and have been advising him, uh, they they must be getting word that you know he's he's gonna uh, be viewed favorably coming up uh, in the draft in April. So, Dallin Holker, it looks like his time at Colorado State has, has come to an end. But a, a fantastic young man, about as good of a leader as you're gonna find, fit right into this football program. And uh, you know, can't wait to see what he might be able to do at the next level. Of course, follow another uh, CSU Ram tied into the NFL, Trey McBride, who's uh, doing a really nice job playing. Uh, these days for the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, transfer portals open. What's what's that look like for Jay Norvell right now with the transfer portal? Well, they only have three players that are in the portal as of 
as of now. Uh, one of those is a freshman defense back named TJ Crandall, who was really good for the Rams here this season. And some more playing time as the year went along, then got hurt at the end of the year. It was a guy that they were really thinking that, that um, you know, was going to be their, their lockdown corner coming up next year. So that, that definitely hurts. Two other guys have entered the portal, guys that did not see the field here this year. But there's, there's going to be more. It's just the nature of college football these days and really college sports. And, and you know, uh, guys trying to figure out where they're going to fit on the depth charts as they head into spring. And, and you know, you look at it and say, you know, I got, I got four dudes that are in front of me. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to leapfrog all four of them. Let me transfer and go somewhere else where I might be able to get a little more playing time. So, so three officially into the portal right now for Colorado State, but there's going to be more. And look, I mean, (laughs) there's only a certain amount of scholarships you have, right? You have 85 scholarships. And in order to do a bunch of work in the transfer portal, you do need some guys that leave the program as well. And that's why you see Colorado diving into the transfer portal and what Dion's been able to do there. But the only reason why you're able to do that is because you have a bunch of dudes that are leaving the program as well. So, uh, there's going to be some comings and goings, and we'll see where it all shakes out once we get into you know into into February, really. Hey Brian, always appreciate the time and enjoy a few days off here before uh, the game on Sunday. Thanks, thanks always, appreciate it. Indeed, thanks guys. I right, take care, Brian Roth. You can catch uh, Brian's calls of CSU Rams basketball on the Varsity app. By the way, all right, nine seventeen. Jim along with Cake today. It's one about a Wednesday with Talon One. You got something you want to complain about? Today's the day to do it. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. Let's see. We've got one. Oh, let's see. Good morning, guys. I'm with you on the Mahomes annex. The receiver was blatantly offsides, and the flag was thrown immediately. At first, I actually thought Mahomes was upset that Von Miller jumped offsides in the next play, and it wasn't called, only to find out that the game, after the game, he was upset about the other play. He shouldn't act like that when the called penalty was warranted. I also agree with you on Jokic, great player, but you can't call officials that. My whine is that all the bad actions towards officials at all levels, whether it's from parents or players. I get it. You want to hold officials accountable. We've had some moments in the NFL this year and in recent years that have not been great. Right. Once again, Sunday, the the, the Chiefs-Bills game, Tony was offsides. It's 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 obvious. It's it, it's there's no room for and, debate on that. One. And again, that's who Patrick Mahomes should have directed his anger towards. And I get you don't want to you don't want to be too ripping into your teammates, but dude, he was offsides. But once again, the thing with Jokic, you just you just can't call an official that. I'm, I'm, no. I'm, you just can't. I don't care. I don't care who he is. I don't care if it's Nikola Jokic. I don't care if it's Christian Brown. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's LeBron. Right. Steph. Kyrie. I don't care who it is. You don't call an official that. You're going to get tossed. You deserve to get tossed. And Nikola Jokic knows that. All right, 919. Got one other one on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. I also agree with see That's the one I already read. I think we're caught up on all the text. All right, so coming up next, we'll have uh, this day in sports history. Also, looks like the Wizards and the Capitals are going to move out of D.C. We'll tell you more about that coming up. Text or call us. 
Jim Davis show, and it is, uh, of course, Wine About It Wednesday with Talon Wine. Well, why don't you cry about it? Can win a bottle of Talon Wine today. Perfect Christmas gift, by the way, for those uh, on your uh, gift list. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Nine twenty three, Jim and Keg today. Thanks for joining us. Text or call us nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty one. About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. All right, uh, the news coming out that um, Ted Leonsis, who owns the Capitals and also the Wizards and the Mystics of the the WNBA, that uh, they're going to move just the Capitals and the Wizards from downtown Washington to Northern Virginia by twenty twenty eight. And this was addressed last night. Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, was on uh, on ESPN last night talking about some of these things that uh, state lawmakers approved the building of a $2 billion sports entertainment district in Alexandria where the Caps and the Wizards will move. And so the 70-acre site is going to be a campus that will include a global corporate headquarters for Leonce's company, Monumental Sports and Entertainment. They are... Um, they're involved. They have a media studio, have a practice facility, performing arts center, retail, and restaurants are being part of this. We're seeing this more and more of the the building of other other th- other business right. opportunities uh, around stadiums. Uh, and so the Capital One Arena will continue to the home of the Mystics. Leonsis already owns that, and so the Mystics will play there. That'll become their building to play in. Okay. While, while the other two will move. To Northern Virginia, expected to be a really big blow to Washington D.C. in terms of restaurants, excuse me, restaurants, hotels, those kind of things. And keep in mind, it's it's a it's a four mile move, so it's not it's it's you, not you, like you don't know Virginia D.C. geography. It's not like they're moving it Oakland to Vegas or something like that, or Baltimore to Indy. Yes. And the D.C. Mayor Muriel uh, Bowser last night unveiled a last-minute plan to provide $500 million in renovation funds for Capital One Arena to keep them in D.C. Leonis has previously said he'd keep the teams in D.C. if the city provided him with uh, with $600 million toward the estimated $800 million for the renovation project. But he said today... They're still moving to Northern Virginia. I hate that, by the way, that, that he's like, well, I'll stay if you give me $500 million or $600 million of uh, the $800 million. Like, dude, you own three or more professional sports teams. You can't come up with the bill yourself. You got to strong arm the local government to give you taxpayer money to fix your stadium. Come on now. He's worth $2.8 billion. Is the 1,119th richest person in the world as of today. Good for him. And as, as, as people struggle financially, cities struggle financially, this is where I agree with you. you. You certainly have enough money. If you want to do renovations at Capital One, you have the money to do it. 
And I get it that, that, that cities benefit to a degree from franchises, from the, the attendance, people coming in, staying in hotels, spending money at restaurants. Okay, I, I get that to a point. But the owners are the ones that get rich off this deal. Mm-hmm. And so they're expecting the average Joes and Janes of the world to pony up through some kind of tax or whatever. And we, we went through this, when, what happened in Denver years ago with the Metro Stadium Authority, which for those of us as fans, we're glad that it got done and, didn't, and the Broncos didn't move. We've talked about this before ad nauseum where the great Pat Bolin, as much as Mr. B's love, Mr. B also made a very, it made a threat that, hey, if this doesn't work out, L.A. and Houston are looking awful attractive. Mm-hmm. And at least, I guess, in the case of the Wizards and the Capitals, it's not like they're moving halfway across the country. They're moving four miles away. But still, for the people in D.C., I mean, this is back to being where there were the Bullets, there were the Packers originally, the Washington Packers basketball team, that the history of those franchises are in Washington, D.C., not in Alexandria, Virginia. But then again, the, the Washington Redskins slash commanders have not played at RFK in decades. But also could be moving back to Washington, D.C., which could be could be a good thing down the road. If Josh Harrison and, and his ownership group, they've kicked that around a little bit. Especially since their current stadium is one of the worst. <laughs> it's a dump. Yeah, FedEx Field's not, not a great place. It's a dump. So it looks like that's on the horizon for both the Capitals and the Wizards. But and by the way, sorry, just... And Gary, and Gary Bettman mentioned this last night when he was on, on ESPN. And, and just to hammer home the point about owners taking responsibility over their own stadium in terms of costs, the Walton Penner Group, they've spent their own money on the renovations to Empower Field. Yes, they have. Video board, that was them. New turf, new field, that was them. Kudos, Shibin, I'm glad you brought that. Kudos to that group for spending their own money on this. Now, they have the combined forces of the richest F1 driver in their ownership group, one of the most well-known former secretaries of state, and the combined CEO leadership group of one of the largest you know, store brands in the world so that they probably can pay for these renovations on their own and on their own dime. And I, you know, to ask, to ask a $2.8 billion worth man to pay 800 million of his own money for stadium renovations might seem like a lot until you remember that he's still got 2 billion left after that. Yeah. So... I just think, come on, really? And, and they're offering to give him pretty much what he was asking for, yet he says no. But anyway, Gary Bettman talked about a, a variety of things, the the Washington move and and also, hey, the Jonas Brothers are going to be in concert before the Flyers play the Devils in the stadium series at MetLife Stadium on February 17th. So there you go for you Jonas Brothers fans. Look at that. Yeah. They'll be uh, rocking the house, question mark, uh, when they play at MetLife. Also, you have the Arizona Coyotes playing at Mullet Arena in, in Tempe, looking for the new home in Phoenix. Uh, so that came up about the possibility, because there's been some reports that maybe Arizona will end up moving to Houston. 
could be a relocation. Gary Bevin saying nobody's moving. We like where our franchises are. I know there's a rumor about Washington being asked to come to Virginia, which is four miles away from their existing arena. That's all. And it may be a great opportunity to have an incredible forward-looking fan experience that's new age and takes care of new technology, takes care of new technology, new experiences, and something that could be very special. So the rumors about Arizona moving to Houston, at least at the moment, he put the kibosh on that. So that's not going to happen. And so they've been asked about expansion. Remember Seattle Kraken came in 2021, 2022 season, Golden mm-hmm. Knights, 2017, 2018. Batman's saying a uh, place like Atlanta, Quebec City, the former home of the Avalanche, uh, Houston, Salt Lake City have all expressed interest in a franchise. So it's not something we're focused on. We think the 32 teams we have now are in great places. We like where we are. I can't ever say never to anything. It's ultimately NHL Board of Governors' decision, but we're not in the middle of or interested in starting, at least right now, an expansion process. So they need to take the Coyotes and move them to Salt Lake. I think that would be the smartest move geographically. and Or Houston. Either one would make, would make total sense. Houston, but also, like, you think about it, Salt Lake's got the Olympics, right? There's kind of a history. That, like, they had the Winter Olympics there. There's We're going to have it. them again down the road. Yeah, so that makes sense. I don't... Outside of the Stars, which was a Minnesota franchise, I don't know if playing hockey in the state of Texas makes a lot of sense. Stars do well. They draw well. Houston, you, you would think they probably would. Uh, I don't know what... I don't know what the... What the arena situation is for hockey in Salt Lake City? Because they've had the, the Grizzlies in the past that used to be in Denver. I, I I don't know what that looks like where the Jazz play in, in terms of making that a hockey arena. But I mean, geographically, I I don't disagree. I think at some point Salt Lake City is going to get another team, another professional sports team. I don't know what that's you know, could very well be the NHL. But it seems like Gary Bettman isn't excited about the possibility of moving anybody like Arizona and an expansion doesn't look like it's on the horizon. He's also asked about, Hey, the NBA has got the NBA cup. What about you guys? Are you going to do some in season tournament? Oh God, please say no. Uh, said that right now that they're not really looking at doing that though. He said they, they probably would hold a four country invitational next season uh, with the goal of, of going to play in the Olympics in 2026 holding a, a World Cup two years after that and then continue the cycle from there. But as far as an in-season tournament, doesn't sound like that's something that, that he's expecting to have happen. He indicated back on December 5th, the NHL Board of Governors, uh, so there are four, apparently there are four countries for the tournament next season, Canada, Finland, Sweden, and the U.S. for that international tournament that they're going to do, but it's not going to be like it is with the, with the NBA Cup uh, necessarily. Also, he was asked by P.K. Subban, uh, of course, now works for ESPN, about the NHL expanding internationally. Because we hear about that with the NFL. Could there end up, could the Jags right. end up going to, to London, things like that. And and Bettman said it's not practical. He says in the NFL, you could do it because you play once a week. We don't have that. We play multiple nights, multiple days, and it's not going to happen. That, that would never be... They want to grow it through the global series, kind of like the NFL's doing with the international games. They want to approach it 
kind of the same way. And I think that's the right call. I think it's yeah. I think that's for Gary Bettman, that's a that's a good call. Guy that once upon a time was considered the worst commissioner in sports. He has definitely turned that around, I think. In a huge way over the last probably five years. In a big, big way. All right, 935, and it's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, we go back to 1942. Washington beat Chicago for the NFL championship. It was a 14-6 win. The Redskins beating the Bears. That's a barn burner for you. I don't know, 3 nothing. Vikings That's Raiders? That's true. No, you know what? That's Those guys are going, wait a minute. You're, don't talk smack about us, man. 3 nothing, and they were playing indoors. Fair. 1958, Gordie Howe, the Red Wings, scores his... 400th career goal. 1997, Michigan's Charles Woodson wins the Heisman Trophy. 2003, Mount Union wins their 55th consecutive game. They beat Bridgewater 66 to nothing in the NCAA Division III semifinals. Also on this day, 2004, Bodie Miller joins Mark Giardelli as the only men to win races in all four disciplines in a season. And uh, skiing also, 2007, the infamous Mitchell report from Major League Baseball uh, was released detailing steroid use in the game. 2009, New Orleans and Indianapolis, both 13-0 as the Colts beat the Broncos 28-16. And so uh, both those teams undefeated uh, with 13-0 starts. And in 2010, Brett Favre, 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 297 consecutive game streak comes to an end as he is sidelined with a throwing shoulder injury. So far, it could probably do a great morning show too. He could from jail. Probably, probably Please uh, to us. 297 consecutive starts over 19 seasons. Yeah. Just yeah, don't sue us, Brett. He could cut off both his arms and both his legs. He would still be the best torso in football. Thank you. Uh, fake dead. John Madden. Appreciate that. Uh, 2016 Louisville's Lamar Jackson named your AP College Football Player of the Year. All right, 937. We'll take a break. We'll come back. It is a one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Well, why don't you cry about it? Text your call in. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. It's your morning sports and more. It's the Jim Davis Show on the team. Welcome back in 941. Jim along with Cake Today from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Cake will be in tomorrow. We'll have Mark Johnson on tomorrow's program. Also, uh, Rob Ames, Delta Panthers, boys basketball coach, and some other folks as well on tomorrow's show. All right, uh, 941. Let's go ahead and open up the lid, hop in. An extended garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right. I don't know if you, uh, of course, you, you guys talked about Shohei Otani. Oh, yeah. Signing with the Dodgers. I uh, I texted Curtis Beetleman. And uh, pretty much what 
what Nikola Jokic called the official last night is what I referred to the Dodgers as. You bleepers. Those. You bleepers. Bleepity bleepers. Are now getting Shoei Otani. Just seems so unfair. But anyway, $700 million, 10-year deal. So here's the interesting thing about this. You know what he's going to make next year playing with the Dodgers? Well, so we had this conversation yesterday, the idea that he's only going to make $2 million a year. Every year he'll make $2 million a year also th- until until 2034. Then he'll make $68 million the rest of the way. Did you guys get into the reason why and all that? And We, we talked about it, and we, we think this is shaping up to be the next Bobby Bonilla sort of contract. Could, could very well be. That he's trying to, he's deferring money so the Dodgers have financial flexibility to, to build around him during, these, these are the prime years for Shoei Otani. And so that allows them to do that. And, and then, of course, 2034, they get hit with the big, big bill of $68 million a year through 2043. But allows the Dodgers to to try to win championships, build around him, give them some financial flexibility. And for Otani, he makes about $50 million a year annually off endorsements. So that's how we can live on $2 million a year. Which, to be clear... Most the rest of us could quote unquote live off on, of two million dollars a off year. Off his Dodgers salary, we would be just fine. Thank you very much. And so that is the that's why they're doing it: financial flexibility to build, you know, have bring in guys while he's in his prime, and he's going to be okay. He's going to be all right. He'll be fine. Uh, watch Japanese watchmaker Seiko, Fanatics tops, New Balance and a big deal with New Balance. So he's got a lot of a lot of people he endorses, and so he's going to make roughly $50 million a year off and of he's that. he's probably so. still getting royalties off of his cover athlete appearance on MLB The Show last probably, year. So Probably that as well. I, I read a piece from Peter King that Travis Kelsey is making $14 million a year, but he makes like double that or whatever off endorsements. Oh, that was the so, whole deal with... So the, the, the playing in the NFL is kind of a side hustle, but then again... If he's not playing in the NFL and not, he doesn't famous, get those endorsements. He doesn't get the endorsements. That was the whole thing with Gronk is that he racked up all of these, and I might have it backwards, but somehow or rather his playing salary and his endorsement salary, he would save up one and use the others for his. You know, I think he might as I think he might have kept saved went unspent his player salary and just lived off of endorsements, which smart, that is smart business, smart dealing. May not come off as smart because that's part of the act. That's part of the shit. He's a smart guy. Tonight, tonight, the uh, mothership will announce the SEC football schedule. Oh my God. Primetime special, just like the NFL. This is going to be another uh, take my talents to South Beach. The decision, isn't it? But they already announced the uh, Alabama-Georgia matchup will be September 28th on ABC, by the way. So Which, that was their that's first. Your, that's your potential SEC championship game right there. Could very well be. They, they announced it on uh, Good Morning America this morning. So, uh, yeah, big two-hour show unveiling the SEC schedule 
tonight on the mothership. All right. Text call is 970-242-1340. Do you got anything right now? Or? Yeah, we didn't get to uh, talk about this. Uh, I'm kind of surprised, but also kind of not surprised. Russell Wilson adding yet another to his oh, family. That's true. Amora Princess Wilson. Now. At least he didn't call her princess with the first name. That, I was going to say. Like win in victory. I was going to say. Middle name princess? Yeah, not sure. Amora, though, that's that's a good, that's okay. a cool name. Okay, that's that's unique. That's you know, that's something. I, I've told this story before. My mother, uh, by the way, Tyler Franson drinking game. You know, mentions family. My mother had a student one year whose name was M apostrophe Precious. My precious. My precious. My precious was, let's put it delicately, uh, very, um, she was a lot to handle. A lot of... Uh, her family probably viewed her as precious, but nobody else did. Mom was smitten and unhelpful. <laughs> huh. What a shock. Shocker. Uh, I saw this one. Florida is suing. The state of Florida is suing the... Uh, NCAA College Football Playoff Committee for kicking out, for leaving out Florida State in the uh, College Football Playoff because Florida has nothing else going on right now that they need to worry about. Not at all. Um, he says sarcastically. The Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody announced yesterday that they are launching a civil investigation. I'm glad you dropped in the sarcastic thing there. Some <laughs> folks don't get it when we're being sarcastic about certain things. If you're ever on Reddit, you type slash S, and that's your moniker that says you're being sarcastic. Anyway, uh, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, this is according to Awful Announcing, Ashley Moody announced that they are officially launching a civil investigation into the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. They have demanded to see communications between the committee, ESPN, the NCAA, and the conferences known as the Power Five. And... Um, We'll see. Now, I will say this. Um, I get the outrage of leaving Florida State out of it because it seems like the only reason they did it was because they knew that Jordan Travis was not going to play. Leaving an undefeated team out of the college football playoff is a bad look. No reason to sue them, though. Especially since, really, truly, the NCAA has no power whatsoever over the college football playoff committee. None. It's absolutely no power whatsoever. They just have, you know, it's, they just take the four teams and it's going to be 12 next year. And you know, if this were next year and maybe that could be part of the argument, you know, if this were next year, Florida state is in. I don't think there's any question about that. Well, NCAA president, uh, Charlie Baker, Chuck. Chuck, former governor. He has this plan that we haven't really got into that would throw out the traditional thoughts of the student athlete, the amateur athlete. Division one colleges pay its athletes for their NIL and the creation of a new subdivision where participating colleges can pay athletes at least 30 grand per year via an enhanced educational trust fund. Schools still have to comply with Title IX 
other federal, state, municipal laws, regardless what what this ends up looking like, if it happens at all. Still got to figure out how you direct how how do you create direct NIL payments? How does that work? Some get compensated more than others. But I guess there's where the thirty thousand dollars per per player comes in. And I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect solution to this whole deal. But because, from because where some, it was, some are going to make more than others. Star quarterback is going to make way more in NIL yeah. than a, than a volleyball player or soccer player. You know, Shador Sanders is going to make as much, if not more, NIL money ever in his life than say, you know, the CU Buffs women's soccer team combined, right, or or whatever. But you know, you got to take into consideration things like how much how much revenue has been generated by Coach Prime for the university compare it to every other, you know, program at CU or at CSU or at wherever, you know. Right. Like I said, I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect NIL solution, but we got to try, you know. And I'll at least give Charlie Baker credit for trying to keep the NCAA relevant, trying to find a way to keep them relevant. I don't know if it's going to work or not. It's not. Got one from Rob today. My wine is Brian Roth not calling CSU Pueblo more names like Little Brother <laughs> going to stop a mud hole them, etc. Enjoy that team getting made fun of. Mm. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate that. All right. Well, I want to wrap it up today. I mentioned that uh, the passing of Jim Perano that uh, coached at Mesa State mm. uh, was the Mavericks football coach. Took them to the 1990 NAIA championship game. Uh, was also the school's athletic director as well. Coached at Central High School. Uh, before all that, he was at Adams State. He played quarterback there, and then was the the head coach at Adams State, and was there before coming to the Valley. Was also a member of the uh, the staff uh, for Lavelle Edwards in the 1984 BYU National Championship football team. But uh, Jim, a lot of his passion was uh, officiating, evaluating baseball umpires. Uh, was a coordinator of uh, the Mountain West Conference's baseball officials and was involved uh, heavily with the, the officials. It came to Grand Junction for the Alpine Bank Junior College Baseball World Series. Just uh, been reading some of the, the tributes to him on Facebook and uh, uh, appreciate uh, Spence Schwartz, who, who played for Jim uh, down at Adams, uh, for, for mentioning on Facebook that, that Jim had passed away and uh, leaves behind his wife, Rita. And I, I had the privilege of seeing uh, Jim and Rita in the elevator at JUCO this last summer when Jim was going up to uh, to be there to, to work with some of the officials. Uh, the, uh, Andrew Torfin and some of those guys were doing the, the Skyump stuff for the, the JUCO uh, uh, World Series replays and, and, and talked to Jim and Rita in the, in the elevator for just a couple of minutes. And uh, Jim was in a wheelchair at that point in time. He was in uh, in very poor health. and But... Uh, guy that I knew for a very long time, both uh, you know, covering Mesa State back in the day and, and also covering high school football. His sons Chris and Mike uh, went on to play at Mesa. Uh, Chris Tonto, uh, the, the Benghazi film uh, that uh, Pablo Schreiber played him in that film. So the, you know, there's that, that part of the, the Pirano family legacy that, that's out there as well. But uh, you know, and, and just, you know, um, just a tremendous man. Uh, could you know just it was just such a character and uh and did it did such a wonderful job of, of having a positive impact on so many young officials 
here on the Western Slope as well. Uh, certainly, once again, uh, our condolences go out to the family of Jim Peronto uh, for his passing. But I uh, want to thank Spen Schwartz. He was the one that uh, that put it on Facebook that uh, that Jim had passed away. So uh, another tie to JUCO as well. Uh, Tom Arrington, who, if you've not heard, has uh, resigned as uh, San Jack's baseball coach and also their athletic director. He has a serious back problem, and so uh, he has decided to step away from coaching baseball to, to deal with his health. But uh, certainly we wish uh, the best for Tom moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, that's our show for today. And uh, coming up tomorrow, Mark Johnson will join us. Talk a little transfer portal. Talk a little um, Buffs men's basketball. Nice win against Miami on, on Sunday. Mark Big had, win. Yeah, Mark uh, went out to, to Brooklyn to call that game. And so uh, uh, we'll talk with him about uh, Buffs men's basketball coming up tomorrow. We'll also have our team's team of the week. And uh, probably be our last one as we head into the holidays, but we'll have our team's team of the week tomorrow as well. Plus, uh, Delta Boys basketball coach Rob Ames. They have Fruit of Monument tomorrow at the Palisade Winter Classic. So, uh, Rob will join us on tomorrow's program and uh, your chance to play the Piles' favorite game on a Thursday, which is, of course, Tyler will have that for you tomorrow yep. on the program. So, a busy Thursday. But uh, don't forget tonight, we'll have Avalanche Hockey. The Avs take on the Buffalo Sabres. Connor McGahee with the call tonight, pregame at 7.30, faceoff after 8 o'clock over Ball Arena. The Avalanche scoring off against the Buffalo Sabres. So coming up next, it's Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, 1 o'clock today, and then, of course, 4 o'clock, Rich Eisen, and then the Avalanche and the Buffalo Sabres tonight on the Team Sports Network. For Cake, I'm Jim. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7 on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.